Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to another live episode of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football family with me, your host, Harry Simeon. Hope you're all good. Hope you're all well. Hope you're having a lovely Thursday uh, so far. We've got plenty to discuss, uh, as always, on uh, today's edition of the episode of the podcast. Today's edition of the podcast, not today's edition of the episode. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? Um, we're going to be getting into uh, Victor Osimhen's situation at Napoli. Now, reports uh, claim that he's about to sign a new contract uh, with the reigning Italian champions. But could that work to our benefit? I think it could. We'll get into why in a little bit more detail. We'll also talk about the upcoming Champions League draw on Monday. Who would I like to see Arsenal face in the round of 16? Who are the teams that we should be fancying our chances again? Who are the teams that we should be a little bit concerned about? I think Newcastle and Manchester United have found out the hard way that actually you can't take anybody lightly in Europe's premier competition. We'll also be talking about a potential reunion for the Invincibles. How exciting is that? Um, we'll also discuss what Arsenal stand to gain in terms of money, having qualified for the knockout stages of the Champions League. We'll do some of your questions towards the end of the show, and we're doing a Christmas giveaway. So lots and lots uh, to stay alongside us for uh, throughout the duration of this show. Quick reminder, if you haven't done so already, leave a like on the video, subscribe to the channel if your brand spanking new. We're going to start off by talking Victor Ossie, man. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Right then, let's begin by discussing Napoli's star man. Victor Ossiman is supposedly close to signing a new contract with Napoli. Now, you might think initially, uh-oh, this is bad news. This is bad news for anybody that's interested in, in Victor Ossiman. Napoli are notoriously very, very difficult to negotiate with. Aurelio De Laurentiis, the club's um, owner, president, has been very, very stubborn in the past. He's caused certain clubs that have come in with a hope of taking players away from them to essentially have a breakdown and turn around and walk away and turn their attentions elsewhere. Because as I say, he's notoriously very, very difficult to negotiate with. However, when you look at the details of this new contract that Victor Osimhen is said to be very close to signing with Napoli, actually, this could work in not just our favour, but in the favour of any club, really, um, with the financial might that the Premier League giants tend to have looking to take Victor Osimhen away from Naples and bring him uh, to these shores. So it's said that in the contract, there will be a release clause, a release clause of £112 million. Now, you might think on the surface of it, that's wild, crazy, crazy money, £112 million for a player that's playing in the Serie A. It's, it's not something that happens too often is it it's you know you think about what Declan Rice went for and and we know that that was 
um, a lot of money. You know, we know that that was a, a crazy amount of money, but it was between two Premier League clubs. So as I kept saying at the time, you're always going to get that inflated price come up when you think about um, what we were hearing about Kai Havertz and, you know, £65 million being a crazy amount for him. You know, there was lots of talk about that. But again, between not just two Premier League rivals, but two clubs that were expected to be competing with one another. Although, um, although of course, um, you know, that that didn't work out for Chelsea in the way that they'd hoped in terms of them being able to um, to compete with us. So we've been sitting there and we've been trying to kind of figure out, um, you know, what this means, how it could work in Arsenal's favour. And there are mixed reports around how much exactly the release clause that's going to be um, in the new contract uh, is. You know, some people are saying that it's as low as £112 million. That is, uh, some people are quoting it as €130 million. Euros. I'll just do that conversion. €130 million Euros in pounds because... Yeah, I mean, yeah, the release clause in pounds is around about 112 million. And what you, and that's obviously in English pounds, what you get is you get papers and outlets wanting to make it seem like a much bigger release clause than it is, wanting to dramatize the whole situation. So you'll see often even British outlets report it as a 130 million euro release clause because 130 looks like a much bigger number than 112. But if you convert it into pound sterling, that's about what it is. Now, when you think about the fact that Arsenal were willing to go up to 105 million pounds for Declan Rice, actually, that doesn't sound as crazy as it might do initially. Now, I still think, because I'm old school, that we're in a place nowadays where just transfer fees are ridiculous. You know, you're talking about mad, mad money, mega money uh, for players these days. And it, and to me, it doesn't sit right. You know, at times I look at it and I think, how has football got to this point? But this is a guy who scored 66 goals and got 16 assists in 116 appearances for Napoli so far. He is one of the most sought after forwards in world football. He continues to perform, he continues to deliver, and he could be the real difference maker, not just for Arsenal, but for a lot of big hitting clubs in terms of their finances. Chelsea are desperate for a centre forward. And we know that under Todd Bowley, they are more than happy to push the boat out when it comes to signings. They won't be able to stretch his contract out uh, for eight years and use the amortisation loophole uh, anymore because that is, of course, going to be closed. But you know they've got the money to do it. You know that Manchester United, if they really, really wanted to, have the money to do this type of deal as well. You look at Arsenal of late, and we have been talking about Arsenal maybe hitting a bit of a brick wall with regards to what they can spend because of how much they've spent in recent seasons without really bringing too much money back in the other way. But if you were to let, I don't know, let's say Reese Nelson go in the summer and you were to get 20 odd million pounds for him, which I think you could fetch for a player of his quality if you were to let Eddie and Ketia go. And you could probably get 30, 35 million if you were to sell Eddie and Ketia to another Premier League club. All of a sudden, you're halfway there. You're halfway towards that release clause. And so this amount of money that Napoli have slapped on Victor Ossiman's contract, which for the record at the time of recording, he hasn't signed yet, but he is close to signing. It doesn't seem as unrealistic as maybe, you know, it, it, it feels at first. The other thing is as well that I think this is almost the perfect scenario, not just for any club that wants to buy him. And the reason for the buying club that this works out really well is because that it reduces the chances or it, it kills the chances essentially of a bidding war. 
You know what the price is. If you want him, go and put that money down on the table. And then it's up to you as a football club, as a manager, as a sporting director, to convince Victor Ossiman that your project is the right one for him. And Arsenal have been very, very good at doing that. Arsenal have been able to go out there and convince the players that they want that Arsenal is a better option than some of the other clubs that have been in the running for those players. We have had times where we've gone in for players like Mikhailo Mudrik, like Moises Caicedo, where we were clearly willing to pay a pretty penny for these players. We were then gazumped by others. We were then pushed out of the running by other sides that came in with bigger amounts of money. But when there is a set release clause, meaning there is a set price, you don't have that problem. So it suits the club that wants to bring Victor Osimhen in, providing, of course, that they can afford it. But it also suits Napoli really well as well, because what they've done is guaranteed a mega, mega price for a player that they value very, very highly. That's very, very important to them. They guarantee that by setting a realistic release clause, because I do think it is a realistic release clause. And again, I'll go back to the point I made earlier. When you first think about it, right, you go, oh, my God, you know, 130 million euros, 112 million pounds. That is wild, crazy money. But in today's market, is it? It probably isn't. They paid around about 75 million euros to get him from Lille, to get him out of that club. They brought him over to Italy. He helped fire them to their first Scudetto since the Diego Maradona days. He certainly served his purpose. And they stand to gain. If they sell him for 130 million euros, which is the release clause, you know, they're gaining not far off of double that money. So that they'd have made a pretty profit. They'd have got the maximum out of the guy. They'd have seen him fire them, as I say, to a Scudetto. And it's great business from Aurelio De Laurentiis and, uh, and Napoli. So it works for them in that they protect the asset and they're guaranteed to get that amount of money because there will be clubs, I can assure you, that are willing to pay that. But also having a release clause, I think, protects Aurelio De Laurentiis and Napoli Football Club from criticism from the supporters. Because as supporters, you never want to see your club accepting low ball offers for players that you deem to be really, really important. Now, there will be realities behind the scenes, financial realities that you can't always control. You know, there will be situations where clubs feel that they have no choice but to take a big amount of money for someone that they believe is a star player purely because that's what their financial situation requires. But if there is a release clause, what can the fans say? They can initially complain about the release clause. They could argue that maybe it's too low. They can argue that maybe Aurelio De Laurentiis hasn't quite done enough to protect their football club and maybe hasn't done enough to, to get the asset. But first of all, your pushback as the owner president would be, well, the player would only sign a new deal if that release clause was in there. And if someone comes along, um, you know, and uh, and triggers that, then as a football club, you're powerless. There's not a lot you can do about it. In fact, there's nothing you can do about it. So I think it works for Napoli in that sense. It protects them from criticism that they might have otherwise faced when the time comes to part ways with Victor Ossim. And he's not going to be at Napoli forever. And also, I think for the clubs that are interested to have a set price in mind that you can work towards that you know is what it's going to take. And then to only have to worry about and be concerned about the convincing of Victor Ossim and himself, I think is a good thing. So 
I think for everybody, this works out really, really well. So while you might look at it on the surface, read the headlines this morning and go, Victor Osserman's about to sign a new contract at Napoli. Uh-oh, that makes him unattainable and that makes that deal impossible. I think it's the opposite. I really, really do. Let me know your thoughts on Victor Osserman. Is he worth the 130 million slash 112 million pounds release clause that Napoli are said to be inserting in his new contract. What do you think? Is he someone that you'd like to see come to the club? Let's get some of your responses right after this. Okay, let's see what uh, you guys are saying. Um, uh, Hacker says, uh, Osimen signing an extension with his abusers is a bit mad, isn't it? There was obviously that situation um, between... Osimhen and Napoli, which appears to have been resolved. Um, you know, I, I I don't know exactly how Victor Osimhen and his people are feeling about that situation, but from what I understand, from what I read, it feels like there's been a kind of acceptance on both sides that it was a, a not a nice thing and certainly something that shouldn't have happened, an unacceptable situation that developed. But I think both sides have moved on from it. Um, so, you know, I, I get what you're saying, but I don't think this is an issue anymore for Victor Osimhen, um, and, and Napoli CB says, if he signs another deal with them, then I really don't know what to say. Well, look, I think a lot of the time, you know, we look at these things with our prem faces on, as people like to call it these days, we look at it and we think, well, the premier league is the be all and bloody end all and that nothing else matters. Lifestyle matters. You know, um, the the love of the people where you are matters. And Victor Osimhen's definitely got that in Naples. He's he's a hero. Everybody that was a part of that Scudetto winning side is a hero in Naples at the moment and, and will be for the rest of their lives. So, you know, you can understand why, um, you know, the players will want to stay there, why players will want to continue living that life there. Um I think this doesn't close the door on him leaving the club, which I think is the key point here and why he'd be willing to sign this contract. It works for all parties. He will feel that it makes it clear to any suitors out there what they need to do. And with that release clause in place, there is no chance of Aurelio De Laurentiis blocking a deal that he feels is reasonable. He's clearly agreed that his value is probably around that point. Napoli would have had, albeit, you know, unofficial, albeit informal contact in the past. Victor Osimhen's camp would have been in conversations, um, again, albeit informal with clubs that may potentially be looking to move for him in the summer. So that valuation is something that both parties would have come uh, to to an agreement on. Yeah, I, I think that he's happy there, but I think that, yeah, he knows he's going to move on at some point and signing this contract protects him, but it also protects them. And it also makes a deal, I think, quite likely as soon as the summer. So, yeah, I don't think him signing a deal with them is is a is a big negative for anyone, really. Um, and it, it doesn't mean that he's going to be staying at the club beyond this summer. So I wouldn't read too much into that. Um, what else have we got? Uh, Afsar says there'll be no big signings in the January transfer window. I don't think that's the kind of deal that's going to go through in January. No, um, I, I don't. Um, MM says uh, no signings in January. I can see 
I think we will make signings in January. I'm not sure that we're going to see anything significant like that. I think these are the types of deals that if they are going to happen, and I'm not saying that this one is, they're going to be obviously dealt with in the summer. Um, David Tamayo rules Manchester United out of the running. He says Man United have no money. They'll be losing much more money on Eric Ten Hag, whether it's signing more bum players or cancelling his contract. Manchester United are an absolute juggernaut of a football club. I'm not going to have anyone tell me that they don't have money because they do. They do. And when they want to spend it, they can. We've seen them push the boat out and spend £80 million on Harry Maguire. We saw them go out and get Anthony as recently as this uh, last summer. We saw them go out and get Rasmus Hoyland as recently as this summer. A striker with not even half the track record that Victor Ossiman has, who they've taken a massive gamble on and paid in excess of €70 million Euros for. For what it's worth, I think Rasmus Hoyland will become a good player. I think he he's got the talent. But the fact that they can, they have been able to spend that on unproven players, if you like, or less proven players, gives me confidence that they can still find the money when they need to. They're arguably, if not the biggest, the second probably biggest football club in the world. Um, Hassan says, I'd rather Lautaro Martinez than Ossiman, but it's all talk. We're not going to see either. Well, you know, I think we've seen in the past that sometimes, you know, the obvious options are not the options that our club ends up moving for. And that's fine. You know, we've got a team whose job it is and, and speciality is to go out there and, and identify the right players. Mikel Arteta plays a big part in that. Edu too. Um, and then the no negotiations move and, and things happen down the line. I like Lautaro Martinez. I really, really do. I think he's a fantastic player. But I think in terms of cold-blooded goal scorer, which is what we've all been moaning that we don't have in recent times, a finisher, I think Osimen is the one. I think he is more that than Lautaro is. I think Lautaro is brilliant as a second striker. I really do. And I think that the best inter-teams have had Lautaro connecting with someone up front. We've seen Lautaro and Dzeko in recent seasons. We've seen Lautaro and Lukaku. We've seen Lautaro and Turam more recently. So I think Lautaro is a, a wonderful, wonderful football player. But I know what will happen if he comes to Arsenal. People will be saying he's too much like Gabriel Jesus. He doesn't stay in his position. He drifts into other areas of the pitch to get on the ball. He tries to make things happen in the build-up. And that's a big part of his game. Osimen is the number nine that I think a lot of people clearly feel right now that Arsenal need. Um, what have we got? What have we got uh, in the chat? Um, doo -doo -doo -doo. Uh, John Daly says, uh, where were you for 90 min? Uh, also, why haven't we seen the new uh, picture of the Newcastle players in the changing room after last night's Champions League match? Um, I wasn't on the 90 min show uh, because... Uh, I had an appointment that I needed uh, to go to. Um, as you guys know, I've, I've had problems with my throat, with my chest. Um, you'd have gathered that from the podcast and me coughing all the time and skipping a few just because I didn't feel up for it. Um, it's something that's been ongoing for me for a little while. And when you're working in the broadcasting game to end up being short of breath because you've got a chest issue or uh, to end up coughing is obviously a massive, massive nuisance. So, um, I went today uh, to get that checked out um, properly and make sure that hopefully, fingers crossed, there aren't uh, any issues that that need taking care of. And and it is just maybe an infection or something that 
um, over time with antibiotics is going to take care of itself. But that's why I wasn't there, uh, to be completely honest and, and transparent. Um, MM says, uh, Osimhen is a fantastic player, especially uh, because he can play in a possession-based side and injuries uh, have been mainly facial <laughs> rather than his legs. Yeah, he's had problems, hasn't he, there uh, with the cheeks and nose and things like that. Um, Cesar says, has uh, Osimhen been on fire this season? Uh, because Napoli have been struggling. The thing is with Napoli, right, it's an interesting one because I think that Napoli have been just a bit more like the Napoli that we expected last season. It's just been one of those situations where, you know, last season they were punching so above their weight in terms of what they were delivering. Everything was clicking. Everything was working under Luciano Spalletti. I expected that going into the new season, they probably wouldn't be able to replicate that and that the level would drop off. So I thought if Napoli get in the Champions League next year, um, that would be a good a good season for them. Now, obviously, when you win the league the way they did, the expectation levels rise and maybe sometimes unfairly. Um, you know, Inter uh, have, have long been the best squad in Serie A. I think people can agree with that. Um, so it was a surprise that they didn't win the Scudetto last year and Napoli did. Juve seemed to have had a bit of a resurgence under Max Allegri, and they're up there as well. The top two are starting to pull away from everybody else. You look at, uh, for example, Milan. I think they're nine points off of the top two. One, obviously, at St. James's Park last night, but they're not in the greatest of shapes. And, and there's even talk of Pioli potentially being sacked. Napoli haven't been as good as they were last season, but I think some of the criticism they, they've had this time around has been a little bit unfair. Osimhen has scored six goals in 11 Serie A appearances so far. So he has, um, you know, he has been doing his bit, contributing. Um, he's only played in 61% of their total Serie A minutes so far uh, this season as well, um, which, you know, again, is, you know, is, is indicative of, you know, when you think about that amount of minutes, but that amount of goal contributions, then it is pretty good, isn't it? Five, uh, sorry, six of the goals that he scored. Hold on, we got two against Frosinone, one against Sassuolo, three, four, five, six. Um, you know, came prior to him picking up this hamstring injury that saw him miss four games, the games against Hellas Verona, AC Milan, Salah, Nitana and Empoli. So he is um, doing his bit. He is con contributing this season. Adair says, for the fee that Osimhen would cost, Ivan Tony would be a better choice, in my opinion. I disagree with that. I, I do. I, I think that Victor Osimhen is in another planet to to um, to Ivan Tony. I really do. I think Ivan Tony's a good centre forward, but I've spoken about it before. I've got question marks about his attitude in some senses. I've got question marks around the fee that Brentford would undoubtedly demand from us in, in the fact that we're going to have to pay way over the odds to do that, a deal between two Premier League clubs, two London rivals, et cetera, et cetera. Don't think they're going to let us have another player on loan uh, in the interim. Um, I'm not saying Ivan Tony's not a good forward player. I think he is in his own right. But Victor Osimhen is an elite forward player for me and he's on a different planet. So if we're going to push the boat out for one of them, I'd rather we push a little bit further and get somebody like Victor Osimhen in, um, who is just 24 years old still, remember. Um, and, uh, and and we can leave the Ivan Tony option to the likes of Chelsea, maybe. I, I just, yeah, not for me, not for me. Um, what else have we got? Uh, Afsar says... 
can Osiman um, play in the Premier League? Can he cope with the pace and physicality of the Premier League? Even Tammy Abraham looked good in Serie A. I think I've said this before to you guys. I think I've said that I think sometimes you get players like Romelu Lukaku is a great example of this. That in the Serie A, they look really, really good because their physicality, their physical attributes, their size, their stature, the pace, the power with which they run, all the rest of it. It's it's outstanding in comparison to what they're playing against in Serie A, meaning that they have that advantage and they look a lot better. And sometimes when you take those players out of Serie A, I think Rafael Leal is another one of these players. When you take them out of Serie A and you put them into another league where it is maybe a bit more physical, where there is a bit more pace to the game, higher tempo, all of a sudden that advantage that they had becomes less significant because they're now facing players who on a general level are quicker, stronger, faster, sharper, all the rest of it. But I think Osimhen is one of the players that I think has been so outstanding in recent years that I would trust him to make that change. I would trust him to make that adaptation. I think he's a great finisher. I think he's a great goal scorer. And I think that that would stand him in really, really good stead. I think he's far more polished than someone, for example, like than Tammy Abraham. And I think he'd be a good signing for whoever uh, can get their hands on him when that time comes. And he does, of course, uh, leave Napoli. Right, we're going to take a short pause. And when we come back, we're going to talk UEFA Champions League draw. Who should we be wanting? Who should we be looking to avoid on Monday when the draw takes place? We'll be back right after this. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. The UEFA Champions League draw for the round of 16 takes place on Monday morning at 11 a.m. No idea why they've changed it from Friday to Monday, by the way. It was always a great way, wasn't it, to spend your Friday morning. But hey, it is what it is. We're going to have to wait an extra few days to find out our fate. Now, the teams that Arsenal could possibly face in the knockout round are Paris Saint-Germain, FC Copenhagen, Inter Milan, FC Porto, Lazio, 
RB Leipzig or Victor Osimhen's very own Napoli. Now, the football fan in me, the, 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 the kid inside of me that wants to just experience the most amazing of atmospheres and go to some of the most amazing of grounds and cities and places. You know what two games jump out to that kid of inside me? Inter, because of the opportunity to go to the San Siro. Remember that time we went out there and beat them by five goals to one? What a night that was. And Napoli, because I've always wanted to go to the Diego Armando Maradona Stadium and experience not just the stadium and the game and, and the supporters and the atmosphere, but also the city as well. Um, so those are the two that the romantic in me, the kid inside me, if you like, um, would be quite interested in as away trips. I think I'd quite like to avoid Paris Saint-Germain. I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's fair to say that under Luis Enrique, they're probably not as good a side overall as they have been in recent years, but they've got Kylian Mbappe. So I guess the ones that I look at and think, okay, you know, we 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 probably have the upper hand, would be Copenhagen, would be uh, Porto, would be uh, Lazio and RB Leipzig. Now, if I had to narrow it down further, I'd quite fancy our chances against Copenhagen and Porto. Um, Leipzig are a handy team, but I don't think you'd experience the same level of atmosphere that you would have to if you went to Lazio, for example. Um, Porto, I, I was in Porto earlier this season. I went to their Champions League game with Barcelona at the Dragao and I thought great atmosphere, but they didn't really impress me as a team. Um, so I think that they're a side that we could get at. I think with Lazio, you'll face a hostile atmosphere at the Olimpico, not ideal. But I look at those teams, Copenhagen, Porto, um, Lazio, and I, I doubt whether they travel that well. RB Leipzig are a very handy team, as I say, but I wouldn't be, I wouldn't feel like the away trip is as daunting as some of those others because I don't think we'd face as good an atmosphere. I think there are some great atmospheres in the Bundesliga, but given the way RB Leipzig has come about as a football club and the relatively short history of it, it, it isn't the same. It doesn't have that Dortmund effect, the Eintracht Frankfurt effect, the Bayern effect, all of that. So, yeah, if I had to pick one, I'd probably quite like to face. Copenhagen. I know that they've got a, a cracking atmosphere when they play at home. Um, and I know that they were the reason essentially that Manchester United couldn't get through the group. And I know they produced that magical comeback uh, against Manchester United just a few weeks ago now. But I, I'd fancy our chances against them. The, the three that I'd really want to avoid. In fact, if I narrow it down to two, I really don't want to face Inter because I think under Simone and Zaghi, they're a really dangerous outfit in this competition, of course, finalists last time out. And I think tactically is very, very good. And I probably don't want to face Paris Saint-Germain either. Um, so let me know in the comments, the team that you'd prefer to face. Um, give me one that you want to face and one that you definitely don't want to face. Um, that would be interesting. That would be interesting. Um, what are you guys saying uh, in the comments section? Uh, MM says, Inter, Napoli and PSG would be very difficult. Yeah, those are the three that... Ideally, you want to avoid. Adair says he's been to the Dragao and the atmosphere is amazing. Uh, Porto lost, but you wouldn't know. They lost when I went as well to Barcelona by a goal to nil. And you're right. The atmosphere was amazing. But I didn't look at that side and think, oh my God, they would cause us a problem if we face them. And the thing is, we're in the fortunate position that we will play the second leg at home, which means that we'd have an opportunity to put right any damage um, that was inflicted upon us 
based on an awful uh, away trip uh, to one of these places where it can get quite hostile and it can get quite difficult. So let me know um, who it is you'd prefer to face and who you definitely want to avoid. It is important to note, as Cass points out, that whichever side you get in the last 16, it will be tough. Um, He says, I take no side lightly, and I'm sure Arteta won't either. Yeah, I'm not saying that any of these teams would give us an easy ride. I'm not saying that I look at these games and I go, yep, that'd be easy, or that'd be easy, or anything like that. I think they're all... Um, they're on merit. They're all good sides. But, you know, the romantic in me would like a trip to San Siro, um, to Naples. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain doesn't really appeal to me as much as an away trip. Um, but, you know, if we got there, I'd, I'd probably go. Um, Copenhagen could be quite cool as a trip. But, you know, at this stage, round of 16, I think it's about hopefully getting through with as less fuss as possible. Although I do always say that the Champions League is all about meeting the big sides and it is all about those special nights as a fan. Um, Otherwise, what's the point in being in it? But hey, um, great to have the second leg at home. I think that could be really, really important. But those are the teams that we could potentially face. PSG, Copenhagen, Inter Milan, Porto, Lazio, Leipzig and Napoli. Let me know your thoughts in the comments. Right, we're going to take another short pause. And when we come back, we're going to talk about a potential reunion for the Invincibles. Uh, We're also going to talk about what Arsenal have said to have gained financially from qualifying for the knockout stages of the UEFA Champions League. Plus, I'll give you information on our Christmas giveaway. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Welcome back to the show. According to Gunnerblog earlier today, there are talks ongoing about a potential reunion of the Invincibles in the shape of a friendly that could be played at the Emirates Stadium in 2024 to mark the anniversary of Arsenal's historic achievement. Where do I sign up for a ticket? That would be immense. That would be fantastic. I would love that. Absolutely love it. I was thinking about this earlier, though, because I read the story earlier today and and I was sitting there and I was thinking about it. Oh, all the names that we might get to see uh, back playing at the Arsenal. And then I thought about one in particular. Ashley Cole. What would be the deal with Ashley Cole? Do you think he'd come back and play? Do you think he'd be sort of welcomed back into the the fray? Now, I know that, you know, he was a part of that team and he was a big part of that team. He was at the time and, and for many years after that, the best left back in world football, in my opinion. But, you know, obviously the way he left Arsenal was a little bit, you know, it, it wasn't ideal. It wasn't great. I know that a lot of Arsenal fans are still upset about that. So um, it'd be interesting, wouldn't it, to see if he was uh, a part of the side uh, should this reunion take place. But um, yeah, would you uh, allow Ashley Cole to play? Hmm. Um, Don't forget, guys, if you haven't done so already, please leave a like on the video. I've just checked on the likes. We're nowhere near where we need to be. We need to be on at least 100, given how many of you are watching right now. So like the video, subscribe to the channel uh, if you're brand spanking new as well. It really, really does help. And if you're listening on audio, please do leave us a review. We'll give you more information, um, of course, uh, on that proposed friendly involving all the invincibles as and when we get it. It is just a discussion at the moment, but um, what a story that would be. I, I think they'd sell out the Emirates with no dramas. Um, no dramas whatsoever. Hacker points out that Ashley Cole um, did an interview with Gary Neville in which he said that he has no ill feeling for Arsenal. Yeah, I'm not saying that Ashley Cole does, but um, I think that 
the fans would be mixed on on how how they'd respond to that. I think I know I would feel obviously I'm proud that, you know, that team achieved what they did. And obviously he was a big part of that. And as I've just said, I've got immense respect for his contribution to that, but it's kind of hard, isn't it? Like you want it to be very celebratory. You want it to be really um, kind of enjoyable and, and all good vibes. And then you've got this guy that went behind our back to basically um, negotiate a contract with Chelsea and leave us at a time where we were competitive. It wasn't like, you know, like a lot of people are upset with Van Persie and with Fabregas and and all the rest of it. And I get that because I was upset with them at the time as well. But over the years, I've come to kind of realize that actually part of the reason that they wanted to go was because they didn't feel like our football club was going anywhere. And only a number of years after that, two, three years after that, did we all start to realize it? Did we all start to get frustrated about it? Did we all start to get um, on the club's back, et cetera, et cetera? So, yeah. Um, when it comes to Ashley Cole, though, you're talking about someone that left when we were flying still and, and still very, very much competitive. Um, and so, yeah, Chelsea had it all to prove at that point. We didn't. So it was um, it was a difficult one to take. In other news, uh, according to a report in The Sun, Arsenal are set to get £66 million in bonuses for having qualified for the knockout round of the Champions League. That will go some way in easing our financial fair play uh, concerns. and hopefully uh, help us when it comes to maybe spending some money in January um, to, to kind of fill a couple of holes in the squad that I still think we've got. Um, and, uh, and of course, maybe some of that can be put towards uh, the summer transfer kitty. Who knows? But it just goes to show you, doesn't it, how valuable being in the UEFA Champions League is. That would essentially mean that you got Kai Havertz for free, basically, um, which is, um, yeah, is, is a good way of looking at it, I think. If you want to try and figure out how much value that money is in terms of to a football club like Arsenal well it's a free Kai Havertz that's how you got to look at it 65 million pound player 66 million pounds or there or thereabouts in bonuses um the final thing I wanted to do on today's show uh, was tell you a little bit about uh, a Christmas giveaway that we are doing here on the podcast for you our dear listeners now I know as a dad, um, as a parent, as anyone really who's got any sort of dependence and particularly given the times we're living in that Christmas can be quite stressful. I know I find it stressful. I know I know that, you know, a lot of people um, work really, really hard around this time of year, picking up extra shifts, working late, all the rest of it, working on bank holidays to try and earn a little bit of money so that they can make Christmas as special as they can. Uh, for their family, for their friends and all the rest of it and the people that are dependent on them. I know as a dad that I find it quite stressful in the month of December because I've got all my normal costs and bills and all the rest of it going out. But I also want to make sure that I can make it as special as possible for my kids, but also my friends' kids. I want to make sure that I get them all um, the gifts that they deserve. I, I want to make sure essentially that the Christmas is a good one, even shopping for Christmas dinner and hosting people around your house and all the rest of it. It can be really, really pricey, really, really expensive. What I want to do um, coming into um, the Christmas period is I want to give a voucher out to one lucky listener um, worth £75 uh, on Amazon. Now, the reason I've picked Amazon is because you can get pretty much everything from Amazon. So you can use that as you please. You can use it to buy drinks if you want for your Christmas gathering. You can buy it. You can use it 
um, to buy gifts. You can use it to contribute towards some of the gifts that you want to get or whatever. Um, I, I picked Amazon because I think it's the one voucher that I can give out that will help you in basically whichever way you want it to help you. So what we're going to do is um, on uh, the show that we are putting out tomorrow, which will be a preview of the Brighton and Hove Albion game. Somewhere during the show, there is going to be a quiz question. Now, what you will need to do is you will need to then um, contact me via the email address that I'm going to provide on that show with the correct answer. And then live on one of the shows early next week, we'll be picking out a winner and then I'll be getting in touch with you to get your uh, email address so that I can transfer you over uh, a £75 Amazon voucher. Um, so that's what we're going to do. And as I say, I, I want to do it because I know that Christmas can be quite a challenging time um, for, for a lot of people. And, and I know as a dad that, and, and I'm not just saying this applies to dads, right? There's people out there that, that aren't dads, but still feel the pressure around Christmas to buy gifts and, and you know, host meals and take people from it and all the rest of it. Christmas parties, Christmas outings. You, you don't want to be the one that misses out, but I know that it can be... Um, you know, quite difficult to to keep up with the spend. And if this helps you to buy something else, that means you can save that bit of money um, indirectly and use it for whatever it is that you want around Christmas. That's great too. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I want to do. Um, that's what I want to do. So I am going to put that quiz question in tomorrow's preview show against uh, where we're talking about the game against Brighton and Hove Albion, and you'll be able to. Um, to uh, get involved in that competition. And as I say, we'll pick out one lucky winner uh, who will get that transferred to them and you can do with it um, whatever you please. What a question from Tiger in the chat. What? what? Um, anyway, nonsense question. Okay. Um, and it's a nonsense question because like, what kind of question is that? Like, I, I just don't get it anyway. Um, I don't get it. Um, anyone that listens to the podcast, um, I mean, just we don't put up with nonsense like this in the chat, do we? Um, it doesn't matter what kind of dad anyone is, right? If someone's a dad, they're a dad and they've got responsibilities and they've got, um, of course, you know, that pressure when Christmas time comes around. So uh, anyway, I'm going to leave it there. Um, I will see you all tomorrow then with another show. We'll look ahead to the Brighton game. It'll probably be tomorrow morning. Um, so uh, I'm going to sit down, prepare a nice preview for that one. We'll chuck the quiz question in there. And if you want to, um, you can get involved in the competition. I have run um, a little bit over uh, the allotted time today. So I'm going to park the Q&A bit, but we'll do that on tomorrow's show where we've got a little bit more time. OK, um, I am going to leave it there. I will see you all in the morning. Until then, take care of yourselves. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>